Hello, hello, hello. Okay, how's that, everyone? I switched to software encoding, so it's going to be a little hot in here. But I've got the, the computer to do it, so. <laughs> I mean, the windows are open, so. Hello, hello. Let me know you can hear me. It looks okay. I don't know if you saw the false starts on Twitch, but. I didn't actually auto start YouTube, so I think YouTube got to wait until I had the video going okay. Good afternoon. We hear you. Thank you, Rich. <sighs> I was trying to start early for that reason, so we're not too late. Um, and we can sit tight and see how everything goes. Let me say some hellos. Hello, Tithe. Hello, Naradoc. Hello, Jim. Hello, Rich. Um, hello, M4TK. Hello, Beata. Uh, hello, Alki. I hope I didn't butcher it too bad. Um, thanks for stopping by. It's been a minute since I've streamed, so this is exciting. Hopefully I don't have chocolate in my teeth. <laughs> Do I? Um, yeah, it's been a while. <clears throat> All right, well, I guess we'll get going and we can... Hello, Seagrover. Um, we'll probably pick people up. Hi, Omni. Um, if you don't know, my name is Scott. I work for Adafruit on CircuitPython. Uh, Adafruit is an open source hardware and software company based out of New York City. I work remotely for them though, so I'm actually in Seattle here. Um, let's see, uh, it's been a while. CircuitPython is uh, Python for uh, all sorts of embedded devices, not that one. Um, here, for example, is a ESP module here. So under here is a little tiny CPU, little tiny computer. And CircuitPython brings uh, the favorite, my one of my favorite programming languages, Python, to that as well. Um, more hellos here while we're going. Um, hello, Deshipu. Hello, Andrew. Hello, um, <laughs> Rish. <laughs> uh, hello, Yanni. And hello, Keith the EE. Got a dip out, but hope everything's having a good day. A great weekend. Thank you, Keith. So um, I used to do deep dive streams starting in the pandemic, and then I was on paternity leave because my partner and I had a, uh, a son. And so uh, Tim, Foamy Guy, has taken over the deep dives for me, which has been awesome. Um, but Tim is taking vacation this weekend, and I was like, oh, if you're taking vacation, I'll guest host deep dive this week because I, I do miss it, but um, I'm about to take more paternity leave in a couple weeks. Um, so I didn't want to like start getting anything regular going until then uh, or until I'm like here for a while. Um, hello, Andy. Hello, Charles. And hello again. Rich is posting stuff. Um, and hello, Salvor. I think I've missed you as well. 
Um, so we have two chats on the side here, not the side, the side. Um, we have the Discord chat and the YouTube chat. Um, if you're on the YouTube chat and would love to dis join the Discord, we'd like to see you there. Um, you could go to adafru.it slash discord. That'll ju jump you into that. Um, <laughs> hello, Lord. Um, uh, brain. I, did, I, I have not gotten enough sleep uh, compared to what I used to get. Um, so yeah, I work on CircuitPython for Adafruit. I used to do deep dives. It's been a little while. Um, I thought I would talk a little bit about, um, for those of you who have done uh, or watched deep dives before, I don't plan on actually taking deep dives back over. Um, I'm not sure what my schedule is going to look like come January when both myself and my partner are back at work. Um, and so I am planning on doing a stream on a weekly basis at some point during the week, but it's going to have to line up with when um, we kind of have reliable childcare for the kiddo. Um, so I'll probably do like a tentatively, I'm thinking like an office hour where I would do like an hour and we just talk about things that people want to have questions over, about. So, um, I am going to shoot to do two hours today, although I was joking, uh, that I might fall asleep during it because I am, I'm a little sleep, sleep deprived. Um, could be way worse. Um... So yeah, that's kind of what I'm thinking, and that will be in the new year is when I'll start regularly streaming again, when we have kind of a more consistent schedule. Um, until then, you can find me on the Discord if you have questions. Um, something like a year in total, but five months, first year, and a half a year in second grade. Nice. Yeah, paternity leave is something that everybody should take. Um, it's really wonderful to get to know the tiny human that just grows and grows and grows. Um, so yeah, I'll be taking 12 weeks, uh, starting after CircuitPython day. Um, so I will be out in a couple weeks and then I will be back in November, um, mid, mid November. So that'll be really cool. Um, don't worry. There are other people that are very capable to take care of CircuitPython while I'm out. And I already took six weeks before, so we, we know that's true. <laughs> Andy says, uh, as a father of three, just embrace the sleep deprivation. It doesn't get much better. Yeah, I... It's really not... It could be way worse. Like, my son's Ari, and Ari slept like nine hours last night, um, which is pretty good. Um, it just ended at 5 a.m., 6 a.m., something like that. And I did not go to bed when he did, so... Could be worse. But yeah, it's, it's definitely worth it. Um, I do hope <laughs> that the sleep deprivation won't be as, will get better, but um, we'll see. Um, yeah, so if folks have questions, I'm happy to just chat questions. I, I do find this is a good way for people, for me to cover technical topics uh, around CircuitPython and, and stuff in general. Um, so I'm happy to, happy to do that. Um, I should... Yeah, so if you want to buy, support me and support Adafruit, you can go to adafruit.com um, for that as well. Combat nap 20 minutes will provide a welcome refresh. It says Clippership. Yeah, I was, I took, I before the stream, I chose to take a shower and then I was like sitting in a chair and I was like, I'm kind of tired. I was like, maybe I should have done a nap instead of a shower. But um, 
I definitely like in the first week or two of having the kid, it was like I took a nap, but I set an alarm and I I woke up at like the exact wrong time. It was terrible. So, hey, Paul. Um, yep. Rich confirms that the CircuitPython core team and other volunteers are super helpful on the forums and Discord. <laughs> I try not to get sleep deprivation for my job, but occasionally there's just projects and stuff that are in my mind, and that's going to be true even through paternity leave and stuff like that. Um, but yes, I need a primer slash tutorial on how to do math with tuples. Uh, Beata, could you be more specific? It might be something more like Microlab and... Yeah, Clippership says both works. Shower provides a refresh well worth having. And I took some time to take a shower like last week or something. Like I'm not showering every day like I used to. But um, I like fixed like... Or like I figured out two bugs in the shower. I was like, I should, Adafruit should pay me for, to shower. Like I get stuff done. So, <laughs> yeah. A fool sleeps when he's tired. A wise man sleeps when he can. Yeah. I was trying to do that, especially early on. And I'm my schedule has shifted a lot already, so I do try to do that. All right, we have our first question. Uh, Ty says, uh, what's exciting you recently in the world of MicroPython that you're keen to try or adopt in CircuitPython? Ooh, that's a good question. I've not been super paying attention to MicroPython stuff. Um, we're actually going to meet with Damien and Jim next week. Um, but I haven't, uh, haven't been following a lot of what they were doing. PicoW is obviously something that we want to support that Mic MicroPython supports. Um, but that's a that's a, a complicated thing um, that somebody did ask us to talk about, and I know Rich is working on as well. So we'll probably talk about that today. Um, there was I was originally excited. MicroPython one eighteen added redid the MPY format. So the MPYs are like this precompiled version of Python, um, and they redid it with the goal of being able to run. Um, the, with the with the goal of being able to run code from MPYs while they stayed on disk, which I think is a really cool and neat idea. Um, there is a huge caveat in what they're thinking, and this is not actually complete in 119, so it's like something in 120 maybe, but um, it had the caveat that on disk had to mean a special file system that kept the files kind of contiguous still. Um, so that that was a, like a huge caveat that I wasn't willing to do for for CircuitPython because we we rely heavily on FatFS, which doesn't provide guarantees about uh, the the block ordering. So yeah, I was excited about the idea of being able to not have to load libraries into RAM, but um, not there yet. Um, I've got lots of other things that I'm interested in, but I haven't looked in depth on what is latest and greatest in MicroPython land. Um, yep, Rich is diving deep into adding the PicoW port from MicroPython latest. 
Um, Beata says, rainbow.colorwheel is specific. I want to scale the value down and then add the W channel. Um, some terms to look up. I, I mean, basically, tuples are immutable, so you, you'll probably want to do something like a list comprehension and then um, pack it back together. I don't think there's a much more elegant way to do it than probably what you're doing already, though. Um. <laughs> the super says, if we could use USB MTP, then we could use any file system we wanted, if only Apple supported it. Yeah, but I think, and this kind of gets on the main topic that I, I did ask people earlier in the week when I was like, oh, I'll, I'll stream this week, what should I cover? And I heard a lot about the web workflow, which I would love to, to talk about today. But I think what we'll start to see with CircuitPython is we'll actually start to see more and more people using it without USB. Um, and if they're not using USB, there is a world where we could think about using a different file system. Uh, that's a pretty big change, and that's certainly not going to be in the next major version of CircuitPython. The next one is CircuitPython 8. Um, but it is something we could think about in the future for, for the boards that don't use uh, FATFS um, or don't use like native USB mass storage, then we could think about doing. We could be think about doing something else. Do we have a tiny web server? We do have a tiny web server. Should we jump into web workflow stuff? I'm still also, uh, if you've seen me do deep dives before, you know that I can go. Um, great, tuple list comprehension. Yeah, there's list comprehensions and there's generators, which are a little bit um, different as well. Um, but yeah, so I, I forget. Tyth, I think, asked about stuff excited in MicroPython. And I spent a lot of time dreaming about what um, dreaming about what CircuitPython could do. Oh, Dishipu says, I wonder if on-disk bitmap would be faster than two. Perhaps. One thing with on-disk bitmap is that you know how it's, it's dramatically different whether you're going the right way or the wrong way, like rotated? Um, there's a worst case in on-disk bitmap where you're picking out one pixel and then having to do a full load. Like if we could optimize FATFS where it didn't load. So every time, like FATFS has a notion of a window of 512 bytes. And if you're doing one pixel, you're actually loading 512 bytes every pixel if you're going the wrong direction. Um, so that's the worst case for on this bitmap. There's a world where you could modify the fat code to not load 512, but just load the byte you want because you know you're going to seek immediately afterwards. But that's a pretty detailed optimization. Comwork.io says, is there a way to run CircuitPython in a web browser with WASM? Um, there's not, uh, but MicroPython for a while did support that, so it's not like super out of the question. Um, it's really not what we're going for, though. However, with the web workflow stuff that I'm going to show off here shortly, um, you can do a lot of stuff by interacting with a CircuitPython device over uh, HTTP, which will be cool. Um, Ty says it's 
It's so good, though. Whiskey server. I've got an access point running web server controlling boat joystick on a web page. Did have to patch whiskey server to support getting the AP address. Oh, Naradoc points out that there is the WoW key emulator. Yeah, so there is a... There is a... Um, that's why I'm asking... for the web workflow stuff is why you're asking. So there is an emulator that emulates an RP2040, which is a chip that CircuitPython can run on, which is cool. And Chris C. Walter, Christian Walter, is working on running MicroPython in a browser with WASM as well. So yeah, people are working on it. Um, <laughs> Rich says, I still want interrupt support, but you've explained the challenges before. Others might want to know. Um, Yes. No, I I don't know of anybody that's tried to use WASM with CircuitPython. Um, if you wanted to do it, then we'd welcome changes to CircuitPython, but it's not top of my list. Um, you know what I should do is I should find a new board because I want to kind of sh show this stuff end to end. Okay, so I've got, let's see, did I use this already? Let's plug it in. So let me switch to product showcase mode. Um, so this is a Feather ESP32-S2. Let's plug it in and see what we get. Uh, I don't know what's on here. Oh, it's upside down. OK, so this is a little bit of an old build, and, but it's going to show. Yeah, so up here you can see there's a Blinka and then there's an IP address, which is pretty neat. Um, I don't actually want to show you this quite yet because I this is I know this is an old build. Um, in fact, I kind of wanted to show the process from the start, so let me just check this Feather S3 that I've got sitting there. Okay, so this is a feather s3 but it says that it's oh come on um, Wi-Fi is off on here so I think what I want to do is I'm going to flash this with a whatever is in my <laughs> current branch uh, and then I'll kind of show one of the challenges on boards and maybe I should use ESP so one of the more exciting things is that we have um, support for ESP32s uh, now, which are very cool. So those are like not the original Espressive chip, but like the second chip that Espressive did. Yeah. So let me just I'll I'll use this one. Um, so here's a Cutie Pie. It's an ESP32 with no extension. So I kind of want to just show you how web workflow works where you don't have um, full USB. So I'm going to cheat and do something that's a little bit. Uh, so I'm going to load it using uh, just building CircuitPython. So I'm going to build a new one. Hopefully it works. So what I did is I plugged it in with uh, holding the boot button down. Let me switch this because it'll be better about the lighting. And here 
And have I built today? I don't think I have. Oh, let's go to desktop. And make this smaller. <laughs> Neradoc has more stuff. Um, okay, ESP IDF, export and export. This is just so I can build. And then I'm going to make board equals Adafruit cutie pie ESP32 Pico. And the port auto completed because I have been testing on this. So I'm just going to build it, and then we'll show it off. And it might take a little while longer because I'm not using the graphics card to encode. I want to get a new graphics card when they release the, the next gen because I have kind of a bad one. But When building CircuitPython, what build chain slash OS machine type? I know there's a long guide, but curious about uh, my workflow. So I'm running on Arch Linux. Um, it's the same box that's doing the streaming and it's a AMD Ryzen 5950X. So 16 core, 32 thread. Although the ESP builds, I tend not to do multi-threaded, um, because there is like, occasionally you'll hit like a, con a concurrent build problem, which is kind of annoying, but generally on the ESP ones, because there's that bug that I haven't hunt hunted down, I do just single. It's super fast for some other stuff, but yeah. And Andy says, I've been building CircuitPython on a MacBook Pro just fine in recent weeks. Yep, so I before I had this computer, I was doing all, all this on a MacBook Pro. Um, but kind of streaming got me to where I was like, a desktop would be a lot nicer because then the desktop like can cool itself when it gets hot rather than just like lighting your lap on fire. <laughs> um, it's worth it. I've been really happy with it. So, okay, so it's writing to the device. So this is to the little uh, ESP32 cutie pie. Um, ESP32 support is really exciting because it's a chip that's just been around for a lot of time and it's ended up in a lot of devices, um, including, uh, let me show you this one. So this is an Odroid Go. It's like a Game Boy style thing. It came out a few years ago, so it's probably hard to find now. I don't think they're selling it anymore. Um, but you can, it's pretty cool here. You can, I ported CircuitPython to it and it shows the title bar and everything. So maybe we'll take a look. Well, once I connected, it show, showed more stuff. Uh, the MacBook Air M1. My desktop sometimes fails at cooling itself off so random too. I did have problems with this desktop or an older version of it at one point where like the thermal paste had was so old that the it wasn't like wicking the it was wicking the uh wasn't wicking the heat off the cpu so it would, it would crash so yeah it's good to to keep that up to date um okay so we're flashed i'm gonna hit the reset button and I see the light blink, so now I can do TO. So because there's no native, uh, no native USB, all you have now is um, the UART link via a, a serial converter. Yeah, so right now it's just connected to USB. 
there's the cutie pie. And I don't think it's set up for that. So if we see here, now we're on the Pico. Um, and I don't know. So I've introduced this uh, environment file. So you can now do os.getenv. So os.getenv. And I want to get CircuitPy um, Wi-Fi SSID and see if it's set. Yep. So that's set. The problem is, is that it's not connected, which pr probably means that, or I don't think it's connected. Um, import. If I had a screen, I'd be able to tell, but you can also do wifi.radio.ipv4 address. Oh, I do have an address. So um, Dexter asks, any plans to add .dev container support for building CircuitPython? Uh, I don't know what .dev container is, so I don't know of any plans. Um, but again, a lot of the cool stuff that happens is done by the community too. So if you wanted to add that, then uh, that would be cool. OK, so we have a an IP address. So oh, and in fact, um, I should point this out. So here's my terminal. And in the terminal bar, um, we actually also see that the app, the IP is 192.168.1.60, and that we're in the REPL, and this is the version number that we are. So there's now um, title bar support in CircuitPython. So there's this, uh, it will output through the serial terminal, but then also on the screen, it'll have a title bar with status like this. Um, so what I should say is, if you're in this case and it's not already connected, so there's an os dot uh, or there's a dot env file. So you would do something like open um, slash dot env, and then for writing. And I guess this is going to overwrite it, so I'll just do it. So f dot write circuit pi Wi-Fi. SSID equals Skylab newline circuit pi Wi-Fi password. I'll just tell you what it is. It's free Wi-Fi. Uh, circuit pi um, web API password. So uh, what CircuitPython does is it presents a an HTTP server, and you don't you want to make it a little more difficult for somebody to like get your files. Um, and write files. So there's a separate password for that. And the examples use a password with a zero. So we'll do that. We'll do F write and then F close to write the file. And now if we hit Control D, um, we'll rerun. Are you aware of anyone building CP from scratch on the M1 Mac? Yes, I am. Uh, both Dan and Katni have those. And uh, Lady Ada has an M1 Mac as well. Um, Pierre says, hey, Scott, it's been a while. I haven't been keeping up with things. ADEX is almost out. What's the big ticket items it comes with? Great question. I will answer here, but I will also pitch that uh, I think what I've signed up for on CircuitPython Day in two weeks is a 30-minute stream all talking about ADEX. Um, if I had to summarize, it's web workflow, ESP32 support, um, and ESP32C3 support. So like we're... 
if you've seen the the circuit by the Nate poster, it's like the Espresso logo with Blinka. So really trying to focus us on web work web workflow on ESP and all of the ESP chips because um, we can get them as well. Um, okay, so the title bar here is saying we have an IP address and that we're done. Um, so I'm going to pull up the browser with my checklist. And now I'm just going to type in circuitpython.local. And we'll see if it works. Wabam. <laughs> so I think this is the... Uh, good. Thank you, Pierre. You're looking forward to it. Um, this was the one of the hurdles for me when it came to doing a web workflow. So the background is, is that MicroPython has a web REPL, which is kind of this. It's not the same, but it's kind of the same. Um, and finding your IP has always been a challenge, and it's not something that I really wanted people to have to do. So um, a turning point for this web stuff was the... In my, in my mind was Jeff pointing out MDNS, which is a, a way that devices on a, a local network can discover other devices. And specifically, it can be used to find devices under the .local kind of like top level domain. Um, so it kind of the way that it works is like when my desktop, I typed in circuitpython.local, it broadcasts to all the devices in the local network, says, hey, is anybody circuitpython.local? Any of those devices um, can reply with, oh, yeah, like I'm circuitpython.local and here's my IP address. It actually uses like the same format as regular DNS entries. Um, and so what the browser will say, okay, you're, that's great. I'll go to you. Now I will do an HTTP request to you uh, with the host circuitpython.local. Um, CircuitPython now runs a web server. So that web server looks and sees if the host name of the request is circuitpython.local. And if it is, uh, regardless of kind of what it is, it will return a redirect. And uh, the redirect goes to a particular local uh, domain that is for the specific device. Whew. <laughs> oh, David, sorry that you're going to have to watch the recording. Uh, it should be recorded, so that shouldn't be a problem. Um, yeah, M1 Max sound pretty cool. I've been pretty happy with Arch, though, although the video encoding thing was kind of annoying. But I've got plenty of CPU power to encode in and do all this stuff at the same time. Um, yeah, Rich says I use MDNS for all kinds of things, Raspberry Pis, ESP32s, SBCs. Um, yeah, MDNS is, is based on a thing called Bonjour that Apple developed, so it's pretty heavily used by Apple, um, where Apple will uh, use it for, like, uh, Apple TV discovery and all sorts of discoveries on the local network. Um, so that's pretty cool. Let me show you uh, another perk of it. So I showed the Odroid Go. So here I have an Odroid Go. It has no wires. It's battery-powered. I will turn it on. And hopefully this will work. You can see there's a blue LED here that flashes like the CircuitPython flash. Um, so it should be going. I can't read it, but it should have an IP, which it does. Um, 
and now if I so this this device is specifically the Cutie Pie ESP32 that I have. If I hit refresh, I'll get that page again, and it didn't work. <laughs> what it should do is uh, it should also show me the it it should also show me the Odroid Go. So MDNS uses UDP. Um, hey, Maddie T, glad you could make it. Um, so because it's UDP, it, it can be unreliable. So it's not not perfectly reliable. But uh, this is the neat part. So that process I just talked about of the CircuitPython.local lookup, that'll get you to any of these, any CircuitPython device on your network, but not any specific one. Um, that's why we have the second local domains that have like the MAC address in it. So now if I, this one's, this page is for the ESP32 Pico, and in another tab, I can open it for the Odroid Go. And you can see the Odroid Go gave me a link back to the Pico as well. Um, one thing that can happen is that networks can block MDNS if they're particularly locked down, which is one reason we've done the title bar stuff so you can actually see the IP address. So if you're in a world where you only have IP addresses, I can just click here. And now this is kind of the IP view of the world, so to speak. Um, if it managed to find the other device, which I'll just refresh again. It just does one fetch call. So here now you'll be able to see that this link to the other device is now using IP address as well. So um, <laughs> Love the Factory says, how feasible is it to put a USB MUX in front of a couple circuit pythons? I think you're you're really just wanting to do USB like have a USB um, Bit bleary eyed, but I glad I can make. I feel ya. I feel ya with the bleary eyed. I did not get enough sleep last night either, but I know it's early for you. Uh, let me know if you have questions. Um, what you really want for USB MUX is you really just want a. Uh, you just want a hub. You want a USB hub. Um, Ty says, is discovery via MDS? MDNS only. It is. So the discovery bit here, so there, but there is two kind of ways, two things to think about when it comes to discovery. One is my computer discovering other devices, and that don't, doesn't necessarily work because, like, I had to set up my computer. It's Linux, so, you know, your mileage may vary, but I had to make sure my computer did it. So imagine a world where my computer doesn't do the dot local lookup. But um, so I can use an IP address, but then the, the router allows it, right? Um, so it's kind of like there are two ways or two things uh, that are doing the MDNS. One is my computer and one is the other devices. Um, if MDNS doesn't work at all on your network, you'd, you would have to do IP address for each one. Um, we don't have any other way of doing discovery right now. Although I suppose we could do something like register with some central server, but we're not going to do that. Hi, DJ Devin. Um, okay, so I've got two devices on the network. I'm going to focus on just one of these. The Odroid doesn't actually have the newest one. Um, so let's show off. So I've kind of been abstracting away this idea of a workflow. And there's two main pieces of a workflow. 
there's the serial t connection, and then there's um, there's the serial connection, and then there's editing files. Um, in typical USB land, you have USB serial and you have USB mass storage for those two pieces. We also have BLE, so over BLE you can do file stuff and you can also get uh, what's very similar to a Nordic UART service for serial. So in CircuitPython web workflow world, if you want to do serial, um, it's password protected. So no username, um, don't bother. Uh, but the password here is the password I put in the .env file. So it's password without, uh, if I type it right, I think, yeah, there we go. Um, okay, so now we have a serial connection over the Wi-Fi, even though it is plugged into USB as well. So what we see here, <laughs> I'm pointing to my screen. Um, so down here is our serial connection to the device over USB. And up in the web browser, we have a serial connection to the device over Wi-Fi. So now I can type, and I can do 1 plus 1, and it works. And I can print uh, hello world. Um, so you can see that what happens is input comes in from any one of these places. So if I do, you can see the title bar here is the same. <laughs> Um, now I can do one plus two, and it kind of like it takes input from anywhere and echoes it back to all the places. Um, control D is also bookmarking in a browser, so you can hit this button here to send a Control D, which will exit the REPL and rerun your code. Um, there's also a Control C button here as well. <laughs> Maddie T says, I love my Odor Go. I'm a little salty, hard kernel discontinued them. I know, it's kind of sad, especially now that we have support for it. DJ Devin says, it's real time. That's amazing. Yeah, it's pretty good. <laughs> um, I should say that some people have been having more trouble um, with uh, the web workflow when they've had weak signals. So if you do find that, um, let me know. Um, and Andy has been helping, says, I got a new, got new CSS coming for the serial page soon. Will be a little easier on the eyes. Um, that's cool. And then the other thing is um, I just saw, so Maker Melissa, we have code.circuitpython.org, which has been kind of um, behind this BLE wall. So you go to circuitpython.org and you get this like set up Bluetooth, which is great if you have Bluetooth, but I don't think a lot of people are using it. So this will soon be broadened to cover kind of all the workflows. Um, and I just saw today Melissa, who does a lot of the work on code.circuitpython.org. She got um, the web, so the web workflow piece, the serial piece is done over a web socket um, and got that working. Uh, she got that working. So kind of what we're doing is from the device, we're doing super minimal, barely be able to do everything you want to do in case you're offline. And then I want to just have those pages link out and say like, hey, if you're online, like you could go to code.circuitpython.org and then have this richer experience where we download fancy JavaScript libraries and have a lot of HTML and stuff like that. Um, but what the device actually hosts, which is what we see here, um, I want to keep it super minimal because all of that JavaScript, all of that HTML is like baked into the CircuitPython build, which uh, we don't have infinite space on. Um, but Andy, 
has taken that challenge, so that's good. Um, doing reserved IP for the DNS lookup works well. Low tech for creating findable devices. Look in your router console and find the MAC address of the desired device and then create a scheme. Uh, yeah, you can have the... <laughs> See if it can react to Control-D and Control-C on Mac. That's so much simpler. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> DJ Devin says, weak signal is a user AP problem, though, out of scope for troubleshooting from controller land. It would be nice if we could tell. So Neurodoc's, like, already been running with this. Um, so the cool thing is, is for Serial, we have a WebSocket, which is kind of the standard way of doing it. And then we have a REST API, which is a very common way of doing all the file stuff. Um, Open my workflow HTML. Uh, I'll save that in a tab in case I get to that. I want to cover this core stuff first. Um, but I think the tooling piece is going to be really, really cool. Um, Friday night dinner. Thanks, Rich, for hanging out. And yeah, please, in the Discord, we're happy to give guidance on the Pico W. Um, and please keep us posted on how far you get, because at some point we're gonna we're gonna spend some time on it, if depending on how far you get. Not me, because I'm about to go on paternity leave. But um, yeah, so that's the serial side of things. Um, we should be able to go back. Yeah, East Coaster. Yeah, we usually have some Europe folks as well. So now let's look at the file browser piece. Um, so here we have uh, the ESP32 QGPy and the code or the stuff that's on it. Um, we can hit code.py, and I haven't actually played a. Oh, I guess I did do this a little bit. So foamy guy, I will need some help. Just want to get some grunt work in. Yeah, thank you. Um, you can now hit edit. Foamy guy added this, so um, we can say hello world. We can say hello. Streamer, deep divers, let's do deep divers. And then Control S does actually work on this page, I think. So we hit Control S, and it loaded the file again. <laughs> Didn't work. Deep divers. Control S, did I hit the wrong? Well, I don't know why. I thought, let's try the button. I might have an old version. Well, it says it saved. Okay, there we go. It was a little bit slower. Ooh, there's Pocket Sprite if folks are looking for an ESP32 powered. Is it mounted? It's not mounted because this is an ESP32. Um, I don't know why it didn't work. We could look at the DevTools stuff. Um, but you see that it did do the auto reload. It was a little slow. Um, I'm not sure why it was slow. Like you can see it saved pretty quickly and it reloaded pr pretty quickly there too. Uh, uh, 
DJ Devin says, congrats on leave, though, just in the past without seeing you in GitHub updates and dev channel. Like, your presence not being there is missed for sure. Oh, thank you. I'll be back. I've been quite surprised, actually, how much I've accomplished in this. Like, I have six, had six weeks off and then six weeks back and then 12 weeks off. I've been surprised how much I've gotten done, actually. Like, all this web workflow stuff. Not this. Foamy guy did this page, but... Um, okay, so that's editing. We can browse here. Um, I don't actually know if there's anything in the live directory, though. We could create another directory. Create hello. And now we have a hello directory with the time, which is not right. <laughs> Why is that time? It's 2.46, not 2.13. Not sure why that's wrong. Did I say that this is alpha still? Um, Pimeroni's Pico system, PyBoard, PyGamer, the all-run CircuitPython, PPUM4. Oh, I do have a Meowbit. I also have a 32-blit that I have meant to get running and never have. I've got lots of stuff that I want to put CircuitPython on. Um, it's forever my task. Watches are kind of my thing right now, which is definitely a rabbit hole. Um, what else do I want to show? Um, you can select files. Uh, We could do display ruler. So it's 360K, so it's not a small file, but let's see if it works. I don't think there's a lot of feedback uploading-wise. I should at least gray out the upload button as it goes. Is it going? Is it not going? So there's kind of two pieces to this file stuff. There's this like web page that we're interacting with, but then there is an API underneath um, that people can use to write tools. Let's just see. Um, there is an API underneath that people can write tools to. Uh, it is documented. Um, so I just went to docs.circuitpython.org. And now there's a workflows page that talks about the USB, BLE, and the web. So in the web thing, it will tell you like how to set up your .env file, and then tell you like all the different um, pages that you can. Fatal amount of clicking. Meowbit works well. That's good. There you go. Listen in the car. Drive safe though, Rich. Um, yeah, so the, the APIs that are under the hood for all this HTML stuff uh, is documented on this workflows page. Although I realize the redirect is wrong because I changed that. Um, hey, it worked. It did work. It just took some time. You might see this, ti this timestamp. It looks weird, but it should actually be the timestamp that matches my local system. Because when you select a file in a browser, it can actually have access to the modified time too. Um, 
and I don't think this will work. Yeah, it just downloads it. Um, obviously, it's not super quick. It should work, though. It should work. Turn, turn, turn. Yeah, not going for fast, I'll tell you that. Um, can we open the file? Yeah, I want to open the GIMP. Hey, look, the file looks okay. So it did work. It was just not super fast. Um, the one thing I wanted to show is that I, I have enough code in CircuitPython that if you have an HTML file, um, it will actually so show. So maybe if I go here and I do open or open hello.html and write to it f.write html body hello deep divers body f close control d um, so this is our code.py but now if we go back here and we refresh we should see lo.html and you can see that the icon is different so if we click that it serves it with the right header so the browser will just load it um, and I think it'll do that for CSS and JavaScript as well so uh, you could imagine a world where you actually like have a project where you just want to host a, an HTML file um, you don't actually need a web server in Python. You could have it just do this. Um, although this is on port 80, which is the default port. Um, so you could, uh, could be a little tricky if you want, like actually something Python working as well. DJ Devin says, since the devices are on USB usually or Wi-Fi, is there a way to pull the timestamp from the PC or other, other than Bluetooth or maybe have it a router or would just Adafruit.io be best for time sync for web workflow devices? Um, That was definitely sleep deprivation brain. Um, yeah, I, I haven't handled the syncing time of the device automatically at all. Um, you would have to do NTP yourself. I'm skirting around that with this because when you select a file, we take the, the time of the file. Um, so the, the, the APIs to create a folder and write a file do take a, a custom header that allows you to give a timestamp for it. Uh, but it doesn't do anything to assume that that's like the actual time. Um, Nerdox says, by the way, the icons don't display right. How about replacing them with legit emojis? I don't know what you mean by legit emojis. I'm using Unicode code points for the emojis. So if you have a font with them, then they should work. <laughs> Clippership says, FYI, one fast way to get rid of sleep deprivation fatigue is to have a Coke Classic or a Red Bull. 
Yeah, I've never been a huge caffeine person. Like the way that I get caffeine is like caffeine takes me there as well. Of just like I can't focus. Um, I did have like a couple pieces of chocolate before, but that's clearly not enough. Um, Andy says, "How does it handle index HTML files? Will it load as the default page? It will not." Um, Yeah, you're just navigating. Currently just running on a monotonic kind of thing. So when you write a file, you tell it what time you want to write it for. Unicode characters that are not emojis, they don't work on Mac. I don't know what you mean, the difference between Unicode and emoji. But if there's like a different code point we should use, then yeah, go ahead and just change it. Natty T says, I wanted a more complete NTP solution for a long time. I did, not that long ago, change the, oh, that's not what I want. Um, Adafruit NTP library to actually do NTP. I was a little frustrated because for a while this library didn't actually do NTP. It just called some ESP32 spy function. Um, but it turns out the NTP person actually made like domains for Adafruit, um, apparently. And uh, so this will actually, it just uses socket and it sends the like UDP packets uh, to get the NTP stuff. So this should just work with regular sockets to do the NTP stuff. I think some emojis are hex. I do have like a font awesome font that has stuff patched in. If there are other code points we should use, then yeah, I'm totally game to, to change them. I just was like trying to avoid actually serving images. Although one thing I've been thinking about is adding emoji support to the terminal. <laughs> To the like Circuit Python display terminal, I want to support. Um, there are valid valid Unicode code points not part of the emoji standard. Yeah, if you want to change them, that's fine. I know, I know you know what you're doing. They just worked for me, so that's why I picked them. Mm -mm. Um, yeah, so I think that's, I, I could do the, the same stuff with curl, but I think I've covered most of it. One thing that I haven't added that I should probably, blink is always a valid emoji. Well, did you see that, uh, I'm actually using the snake emoji. So if you look at the serial terminal, um, the title bar has a snake emoji in it. <laughs> we can have them replace with images with cp.org CSS. Yeah. Yeah, Andy Andy could do that too. Andy's been working on so this stuff should work all offline, but Andy's been working on some CSS that will do that. 
Maddie says, I'm looking more into rich slash textual to improve the terminal experience appearance of NV Remote. Yeah, rich and textual looks pretty neat. I haven't used MP Remote myself, so I don't know how much it shows on the terminal. I thought it was just like a fuse thing where it gave you a directory. <laughs> Once we have emoji support in the display IO terminal, I want to make Blinka the, the snake emoji. That's part of the reason I did that. Like right now, when it shows on the display, there's like this, this Blinka in the corner. Like that's fixed there right now. And actually the terminal, if it gets a character that it doesn't know, it just won't, re won't render it which is kind of convenient. Um, but it doesn't make like languages like Jap Japanese work very well. So in the longer term, I'd, I'd like to make terminal support like a few colors in an emoji and also be able to do full and half width characters. And then we can support more languages, which I think would be cool. Um, I think I'm really excited about web workflow because it'll finally, I think people want to be able to administer devices kind of from their computer, even if there's a bunch of them. So like showing how you can like discover all the devices and, and interact with them all is pretty neat. Um, and then, uh, yeah, doing it wirelessly. ESP32 supports a big deal. And <laughs> Rich says, I wish there was an option to remove Blinka. You can do that. Um, you can remove Blinka with a build flag if you want. Um, I did actually just shrink the size of Blinka a little bit on most builds. It was 16 by 16 and I added a 12 by 12 one because the default font is 6 by 12. So it's a little bit better use of space if Blinka is 12 by 12, not 16. So actually I haven't, I don't think that's merged in yet. That's in the PR that's out. Um, Nerdoc says you can remove it from display I.O. with the display dot root group stuff too. I like the people that call it a llama. <laughs> Come out as emojis unwanted if your character code has the same characters. Are there any questions about this web workflow stuff? I think I showed it off. I, I'm very excited for the tooling. I know um, Naradoc's been doing a lot of tooling stuff, and I think code.circuitpython.org is going to be really neat as well. Because where I showed like super basic editor and code editor and terminal, um, like we should be able to do code.circuitpython.org non HTTPS call out to your local devices and like give you a, like a full-blown a, a really high quality experience from there it's a desire to own the whole tft for certain use cases you can do that <laughs> you can do that by just not showing the terminal it's you're not owning the whole tft until you replace the root group Ty says, now I'll take SSL hosted server, please. SSL's complicated as far as I know. It's certainly not high on my list. I'd, I'd, I'd like to figure out how to do it. Dexter says, can I upload a file over HTTP? You can. So, if, so this is the web page of the local device. You hit File Browser. 
you may have to type in a password, but my browser is pretty good about remembering it. It takes a little while to load the stuff. We can, and then you can select a file. What's a smaller one? Can I O? Or my Chickadee Tech logo. Um, and then hit upload. And then it'll upload the file. And you can see that it restarted as well. Um, DCD, thank you. We'll have to watch the rest on the recording. Great to see you. Great to see you too. Patrick says, um, I'm making a build right now for the Lowland C3 Mini um, to see if the MDNS works on my network. Um, DJ Devin says, why is web workflow so awesome? I'm not using it yet, but looking for an excuse to get into it. But so many projects ahead first. I feel that. Here's how I made it look free with a dot underscore extended attributes file. Ooh, that does look nice. Thanks, Andy. Thanks for all your help on this, too. Naradoc, please just make a PR and we'll get it fixed. I'm not wedded to it. If, you, if folks have worked with me before, you know that I'm very much a like, let me clear the path and then folks can come along later and refine it a bit. Um, Patrick says, not having the drive on C3 is going to be hard. Can we add params to the flashing process to build the .env? I would love to. That is in my plan. And uh, I'm not going to get to it. <laughs> I'll tell you that. Um, but it is on our radar, I think. I think that's something Melissa would do as well and um, using web serial. And I really do want to give credit also to like Lauren and Brent of uh, doing the whipper snapper stuff because they really also kind of cleared my, my, my mind of the hurdle of how to like provision a device. So I know it's something we don't have quite yet, but it's something we should be able to do. And in fact, what I'd like to do is on circuitpython.org slash downloads just for devices that support web like ESP devices doing the like have a button that's just like installed on my device and then it selects a web serial device and does all that for you right in there and then you could say like um, here's my ENV parameters too. Rich says about to leave but thanks for the info I was off uh, off in terminal might be able to help with SSL support. Yeah that'd be great. If SSL is built into the microcontroller, it may not be too hard to layer on top, but given the use of this for now, I can see it not being a top priority. <laughs> Thank you. DJ Devin says, having have family visiting, just wanted to stop in and say you're awesome. Web workflow is awesome. Keep up the great work. Yeah, thank you. And thank you to everybody who's been testing it as well. Um, but having a lot of folks that are like staying right up and then... Uh, <laughs> Wemos has an S3-based board about to be released. They submitted a board def, but aren't selling device yet. Yeah, I'm excited for the influx of devices that we can get on here. Yeah, SSL's hard. That's one of the challenges for PicoW. Like, networking is a lot more mature in MicroPython than it is in CircuitPython. 
like for a while I was convinced that like the CircuitPython core shouldn't do networking um, because we often have networking provided by a coprocessor and in that case it's not necessarily good to have it um, built in natively because you could like connect it at, at any time but I think web workflow is making me rethink that although I'd still do like the idea of um, I like the idea of uh, network dependent APIs allowing you to pass stuff in um, I don't know if we can do SSL server even with a self-signed certificate uh, I don't think you can I think that's what Tithe is talking about. Um, I don't know the details of .local SSL certificates either. Um, I, I really don't have a lot of experience with it. I generally, I find, I find networking, network programming really frustrating because, and believe for the same reason, where because you can get a, uh, you can get an error at any time, and that's really hard to program for. Mm. Since this is deep dive, would it help people if I just did a like quick code tour of like where all this web workflow stuff is in case you want to dive in? Or do people have questions? Questions are good too. I'm planning on trying to go for another hour or so. Can't do let's encrypt in local. Ty says, I love a tour. Okay, great. I guess I was going to maybe show off Neurodoc stuff too. The web packager stuff. It's basically up over the web, I think, which is really neat. Um, but I have a trouble. I'm bad about downloading stuff. To... Please, to the tour. Okay. Dive, dive, dive. Uh, all right, get your scuba masks on. Um, let's use my copy here um, yeah Patrick links to the the workflow notes maybe we just put rot 13 on the stream better than nothing right well the nice thing about this is it's all local network stuff although to use code.circuitpath.org you have to load that with HTTP which is unfortunate network will be useful in bare metal pie we don't have that right now the Pi Zero Two has the same Wi-Fi chip as the Pico W, which I really wanted to support, but the license on the library from Damien wouldn't allow that. Uh, it's just totally up to him. Oh, well, it wouldn't allow it for commercial use, which whether CircuitPython itself is commercial is a debate, I'm sure. Um, okay, so... CircuitPython source. A lot of this is in supervisor. So this is the top level of CircuitPython. I should probably close some of these tabs or <laughs> close some of these files. Um, so in supervisor, a lot of this is in shared. There's now a web workflow directory under shared. Um, Bluetooth here is where all the, the BLE workflow stuff lives. 
and there is a little bit of shared workflow stuff here. And you can also see there's title bar. The title bar stuff is in supervisor shared as well. Um, but the bulk of the web workflow stuff is under this web workflow um, folder. <laughs> wow, brain. Um, these are the WebSocket APIs. So this is the serial side of things. So init handoff takes in a socket. So socketpool.socket is the C version of socketpool.socket from Python. You can say it's connected, available, and you can read a character and write a character. That's used in serial.c, which is kind of the central place for uh, input and output. <laughs> uh, the central place for input and output from on the serial side for CircuitPython. So you can see, oh, is serial connected? Kind of checks all the ways to do serial. And then a serial read checks USB, console, Bealy web USB. Uh, so this is kind of like the central location for all of the different ways of doing the workflow for serial. And then WebSocket is the part that manages um, a, this, the WebSocket protocol on top of a regular socket, which there is one. <laughs> it's not just a regular socket. Um, Right now, you can see there there is debugging in here that's ESP specific, which I should remove, um, and will definitely be removed when we bring web workflow for other things. But generally, this code should be port agnostic. It's not right now, but it should be. Um, so, WebSocket handoff will do. Uh, it kind of takes over the socket and moves where it's stored. It updates a request for uh, the title bar so that um, the the like web page with the serial gets gets the title bar information. How we tell it's connected, we have a generic read byte, which is just a like a log if it fails to let me know. A generic send that does the same thing. And then there's these WebSocket, the WebSocket protocol has like frames with lengths. Um, so that's what this manages. There's masking involved. That what this manages as well. So this is so WebSockets are HTTP to start, and then they get upgraded to a WebSocket. So this is all after it's been upgraded. Um, there's different opcodes for the different frames. There's also ping and close that's handled here. Um, so this is all reading the start of a frame, and it also determines how much of a payload there is, um, which would be like the actual content of the serial connection. Uh, this read next payload byte will kind of comes is called by that CircuitPython code that says like, hey, what's the next serial input? Um, so it pulls a byte from the socket, uh, the pending web socket, if uh, passed and and kind of scooches by any uh, new frames. Web socket available, blah blah blah. Read so you can see read character just calls this next payload byte. Um, send is the reverse, so it's formulating a, f a WebSocket frame to send back to the browser. So figuring out the payload length stuff and encoding it into the header and then sending the data uh, that we're trying to send out. And this could be, it's usually one character, especially if you're typing, but if you do like, uh, and Retired Wizard found this bug, if you take a string, multiply it by like 150 and then print it, uh, it will send all 150 characters all at once. So you'll end up now with a WebSocket 
frame that is 150 payload length. And there was a bug with that, so got that fixed. So that's the serial side. Um, this other file is the bigger one. Um, and it's, so this is the, the web server side. So this is the HTTP server. Um, these are like internal requests state, internal requests struct, um, keeping track of things. Um, more internal state about like the MDNS that's going. So this also does like the connect to the network sort of stuff. We've got some code to do base64 encoding in place, which probably shouldn't be in here. Um, but you need base64 encoding for the password checking. Um, so it, this will read in the password base64 encode it and then compare it when requests come in. Um, update encoding. So these two things, workflow status, dirty, and workflow status are what end up in the title bar. Um, so this is the title bar stuff. I have these Unicode icons that I want to use for like signal strength, but I haven't added it yet. Uh, but this is the like, oh, if we have an IP address, print it out. Um, and if the port's not 80, it'll append the port as well. So you can actually configure a non-80 port. If you want to have user code on port 80, you can have the workflow on a different port. Um, and then here's like basic uh, Wi-Fi updates as well. So starting the web workflow, this is the stuff that uh, it actually gets called kind of like every time a VM runs. So if you change like passwords and stuff, it should load that. If you change the SSID, it'll do that too. So if, if the radio is not on, so first it gets the SSID and password out of the .env file, um, null terminates it, tries to connect. If it fails, it disables the, net, the radio and returns. Um, if there's a port, it parses the port and then um, on first start, it does the MDNS stuff uh, and gets the WebSocket stuff knitted. We could load an external font from circuitpython.org to make sure it has the icons. We could. Um, although that won't work offline, which so you should pick something that will probably work offline. Um, yeah, it's a balance between making the like native experience work and just punting to a, an experience from circuitpython.org. Um, if first start or port changed, we reopen the socket that accepts connections on the web API port. Um, and then we get the password and we base64 encode the password. And this to do needs to be deleted because uh, Foamy Guy did that. Um, we have basic sends and prints. So send is just send these bytes. Print is similar, except it can you be used with mpprintf, which is neat. Um, send string just make measures the length of the string. Send strings sends multiple things, which is kind of nice. <laughs> um, and then we use chunked encoding. So one of the challenges with regular HTTP is when you send a response, you should provide a content length, so the full how long the full body is. But in HTTP, <laughs> when HTTP 1.1 came out, they added chunked encoding, which allows uh, 
which allows you to not send content length. You just send prefix lengths for bunch, a bunch of chunks. And then at the end, you send a chunk of zero. Um, so that's what this is doing is it's, it's doing this. And most HTTP stuff will just reassemble this for you. Uh, but it's very convenient in this world where we're kind of like, I, I'm trying not to build a big string and then send it. I'm trying to send a lot of, lot of small chunks, even if I have to send many, many chunks and actually more data because the chunks have prefixes. Like, I don't care about that. I care about that I'm not spending a bunch of memory to form uh, responses. Send chunk, print chunks, pretty much the same, except it can be used with mpprintf. And send chunks is the same thing, too. Um, although it's actually, you can give it multiple things, and it will actually only send one chunk for all of them. Um, because it computes the total length uh, up front. Ends with as a helper to just do suffix checks, which is handy for, um, it's handy for like figuring out what kind of file something is. <laughs> um, we do do origin checks. So uh, code.secretpan.org. 127.0.0.1 and localhost are kind of ones outside of what this device's domains are or that are okay from the, for the origin. Um, and so that's what this is doing is it's doing checks to make sure that, um, that you can see we check our IP, we check our host name, um, and we want to make sure that, that it's coming from a place that's reasonable. The reason is is because we don't, like the browser is pretty good about preventing like some random website from ac accessing another website. Um, and we want to kind of like it will pass an origin header to us and we want to try to make it harder to for other for bad actors to access it. It's n not secure. Don't think it's secure. Uh, USB active just allows us to negotiate with like the mass storage. Um, if USB is active, and you try to write a file, we'll give you an error that says like, hey, we're, we're busy. Um, and then this is a bunch of header stuff. And I, I think what I want to do is actually go down to the bottom. Um, I want to start from the bottom and work my way back up. So there's no way to stop it. Maybe there should be. Um, background process says, hey, if, we're, if our active connections um, connected, but we're not doing anything, and there's no request in progress. And uh, the listening socket's not closed. Like, we see if there's another socket incoming. And if there is, uh, we'll close the active socket before kind of, like, replacing it. Um, and then if we have a, if the active socket's connected, then we'll process a request. Otherwise, we'll close it, um, which is handy. So that's the top level, like, is there any more work to do? And then we have process requests. So this is reading bytes from a socket and figuring out what to do. Um, so here's the reading bytes part. Um, if there's no longer a request in progress, then we can, uh, or if there was not a request in progress, but now there is, we suspend auto reload uh, because we're in the middle of potentially writing a file. Um, and we don't have to want to have to deal with that. 
Um, and then there's kind of like these states of like where we are in the HTTP request. So first is like get or put. So we uh, copy into this method the character and offset, and then we zero truncate it when we hit a space. So this will be uh, in the request state, we'll have the method. And then we'll move to the path, and we'll do the same thing uh, where we parse the path. We make sure that the version that we're sent is HTTP 1.1. Uh, we don't save it. So this is this HTTP server is like very specific to what we're doing. Um, it won't like store all the headers you send it. It just looks for particular ones. Um, and then we kind of so oh, I should show this reference like MDNN HTTP is really handy. I was using it a lot. It has this like overview of HTTP. And what can be controlled flow. So it says like, here's the request. You send a, a method and then a path and then the version and then some headers. And here's the what a response looks like. Um, and it was it's a, it's a great reference. So I, I would recommend that. So we're kind of like working our way through it header keys we need. So um, if it ends with a backslash n or a backslash r, that's how like it's a new line and that's what ends header key. Um, so we copy it in the header key. If we find a colon, then we're at the end. Um, and we have had we've copied it into header key. Uh, da, da, da. some try trying to be somewhat resilient and then what comes after the key is the value and if we're finished with the value because we hit a backslash r there are a bunch of headers we care about and we do different things based on them so for authorization we'll we'll compare the value to um, the basic cd4 encoded value we had before if we have host, we'll see if we want to do a redirect. If we have content length, we'll parse it and save it. If we have expect, which is some sort of like checking if it's okay to upload, we'll do that. Uh, we'll say that that's what we need. If accept as JSON, we know we're in JSON land. We'll say we'll remember that. Origin timestamp. This is the custom header for setting the time. Upgrades for web sockets. These three are for web sockets. So. And it'll print, print out all the headers that it sees right now. And then we're in the body. And basically, this stuff is done when, when we're through all the headers. And if we have an error, then we'll do this. Uh, if we're not done, we'll just return and wait for more bytes to come in. Uh, but if we are done, then we'll do a reply. And then reset the request, resume, auto-reload, and potentially trigger it. So that's one layer. <laughs> that's the parse the incoming HTTP request layer. And then well, there's this giant function here. HTTP is a great tool for poking at APIs like this too. I haven't used curl since finding it. Oh, nice. I'll have to look at that. Curl was pretty handy. 
for all the chunking too. Okay, so now we're in reply. Basically, we have a bunch of request state that we've already determined from the header. And then we have the socket too. So if we request a redirect, basically your circuitpython.local will just reply that you should redirect. If we're not okay with the origin, if the origin is greater than zero, so if there is an origin, we'll check it. And if not, we'll say it's forbidden. If you're looking for FS, uh, options is some cores stuff. So cores is like cross-origin checking, um, which prevents some websites from accessing resources or kind of cross domains. Um, if that's okay, then we'll check for uh, if you need to be authenticated, because this is for all the FS file system endpoints. And then we'll check the path. This is something I'm about to change. We'll get the CircuitPy drive. Um, and then uh, we'll have that. If we're going to do delete, so if the method's delete, we'll check that USB is not active. And if it is, we'll say it's a conflict. Otherwise, we'll make sure the file exists. And then if it's a directory, we'll delete the contents. If it's not, then we'll just unlink it, or, or then we'll unlink it. And we'll unlock USB and then tell you what happened. So it missing means there's no file. If it's not OK, we had a server error, which is something I didn't handle, and then no content. Um, blah, blah, blah. Similar for uh, getting a directory. You can kind of see the structure here where we have all these replies. Uh, reply static is if it's a static file. Um, which I can talk about. I probably shouldn't go. I don't need to cover each one of these. Um, the workflow doc on read the docs is a much better way to understand what's going on. But this is the thing that's doing kind of like the routing, so to speak, um, to what you do. You can see here's all the different static things that we have. Um, and that's what's above here. So you can see like if we reply to the WebSocket upgrade, well, we compute the magic reply thing. We say, yeah, we'll switch. And then we hand it off to the code we looked at earlier. Um, reply static, you have to declare the file here. Uh, but then it will just respond with like, they're all gzip encoded during build time to save space. And then reply with those. Um, yeah, write file and reply is used for writing a file, discard incoming, truncate time, delete directory contents, reply with version JSON so you can discover some stuff about a board. Um, devices JSON is the MDNS discovery. Reply with file. This is the the static file hosting stuff, so you can see that it does some extension checks to set the content type. That's why you can like host an HTML file from it. Uh, directory JSON is the file list. This is the redirect. I actually changed this. My code's old. It's now a, a temporary redirect, which means the browser won't cache it, which is handy. Um, because you're, if it's cached, you could end up um, if you do circuitpython.local with the device and then you disconnect the device, it, the browser will st still redirect it to it. So having it temporary means it'll do that search again, hopefully. And then a bunch of errors, 500, unauthorized. 
payload to large conflict, blah, blah, blah. Um, not all that interesting. This is a way access control is a little bit different because it can tell you whether you're on USB, like if USB is blocking you. Um, yeah, and that's it, I think. And then the only other thing is that like this static directory is where all the HTML and JavaScript and CSS lives. Now that I've put you all to sleep, <laughs> are there any questions? Like the chat dies down when I go and never like really technical stuff. But this is a foundation. It's going to be really cool when we have the tooling built on top of it to be really handy. Naradoc is typing. Let me eat some vitamins. There is a lag. YouTube is set up on normal so that it has the uh, auto captions, which are hopefully working and not too far off. What else can I say about this stuff? There's lots of bugs open. <laughs> Lots of things to fix. Oh, Melissa asked a workflow-related question in dev. Rich has pizza and is not sharing with us. Pierre says, access control, will there be a way to add user password to authorize changes? There's already, it used as HTTP basic authentication to have a password. The user is just always empty. It's not secure because it's base64 encoded across the wire, but it's meant to... When I was thinking about adding it, I was thinking of that person at the conference that's like, oh, everybody has the same password or it's not password protected and like griefs somebody just because they can. Like this is meant to be just like a little bit of a barrier to, to make it a little bit harder for that. Um, so if you have a build from main today and put it a .m file, there on an ESP32 export, this should work. I believe, I believe so. <laughs> Maddie found it interesting. Good, I'm glad. Rich did not get enough pizza for the whole class. Uh, somebody want to tell Melissa I'm streaming? Maybe she wants to ask the question in the chat. Ty says, what cool things do you want to add but have realized should be a separate module? Yeah, I mean, like, most things should be separate modules. Um, because then you can turn them off and on. The title bar stuff, I wanted to have everywhere so it was consistent across everything. Um, that's what my pending PR does, and I found a... I finally figured out how we can get... I've had this problem where in the CI, we run out of space, but on my computer, I don't because I have a different version of GCC and the libraries. And Dan figured out that my version of live GCC in Arch Linux is .os compiled, which is for size, whereas the ARM-provided ones compiled for O2, which is like faster but not smaller. Um, and... Uh, 
I finally figured out how to just, I literally copied my live GCC from my computer into the repo and for SAMD21s, we'll use that. And that saves like 750 bytes, uh, which is pretty awesome. So uh, yeah, title bars, title bars will be coming to all of the stuff. All of the builds will have the title bar output. Um, Dan had really good feedback about what, I was putting the error line number in the top um, and there's more. He thought it would be good to have the line number and the file name, which it w I was doing line number and uh, the exception name. Um, but it w makes more sense to do a file name. So I think I'll have to follow up with that. Um, Maddie T says, I think if we were to add some compatibility for this in MicroPython, perhaps we'd implement it in MicroPython. A lot of it is already in MicroBot. Uh, thinking aloud. Yeah, you could do that. Um, I, the reason that we do it natively in CircuitPython is because we want it to run all the time, um, not just when Python code's running, right? Like we want it to run independently of the user of Python code. So, um, but it's a, uh, like, yeah, for sure, just uh, like, steal our code if you want. It's not great code, but it works. Um, Thanks for hanging out, Patrick. Glad I could guest host. It will not deep dives won't be a regular thing, but I'll try to find a time for whatever I do next year that works for some folks. Okay, for SSL, Rich says the reason I thought it was so important because many APIs only accept SSL requests, um, which is down, generally a good thing. Yeah, I'd love to do that. It's important, but it's difficult to get right and consumes resources. Yeah, I mean, we'll probably want SSL support. I don't know how it works with .local. I, I don't know how SSL works when you're talking about local devices. I just, it's a gap in my knowledge. Ooh, I got a new dev board delivered. <laughs> I'd rather, uh, I take it mod micro web socket wasn't useful. I didn't look too much into it. I, I looked enough at WebREPL to know that it was like muxing file transfers over the web socket. Um, there's literally an MDN page that's like how to write a web socket server. So <laughs> yeah, Pierre says 750 bytes for the same. Yeah, it's worth it. Mm. Maker Melissa asked in CircuitPython dev, looking at web workflow of CircuitPython code, it doesn't look like there's a way to provide an offset in order to write a partial file like we do with Bluetooth. Would this be something that would be difficult to implement? It wouldn't be that difficult to implement. It seems a lot less important to me. Hopefully she's watching. A um, lot less important to me because it's uh, like Wi-Fi is much, much, much faster than BLE. Um, we could do like, I don't know what the right, I don't know what the like the proper HTTP way of doing it is, but we could have a custom header to do it. But I would just send it all again. Like the Wi-Fi stuff is way, way quicker than BLE. I don't, I don't think it's that important. There is the like stuff to, 
to like pick up a download where you left off, which maybe you are watching. Great. Thank you, Melissa. I don't know the right way to do it. I would say start an issue and we can look into it. Um, we can certainly do it internally, right? Like, because we're doing it for BLE. Basically, you open the file to write, you seek into it, and then write from there. So we could do that, but that's, yeah, that's a missing piece, and we don't have file reload. Neradoc also had the idea of doing web dev, but um, I haven't looked at, or I don't have an idea of how much of web dev we would have to implement it, we'll implement to actually have it work. Um, so we could do it, but I, yeah, I, I would do it without to start. But yeah, the MDN, oh, I know what we should do. MDN WebSocket. These are definitely just like my resources. Uh, where did, they have a how-to, this is writing. Writing WebSocket servers. HTTP range requests. Range offset is amazing for downloading over slow Wi-Fi. Yeah, we could look at that. That seems like it could be handy. Yeah, I'd say file an issue. I'm running out of time, though. You have to understand that. The next two weeks, I'm only work. I'm only working for two more weeks, and I'm taking a day off each week, at least. This is like overlap where both my partner and I are working, but we're gonna have some help to to watch the kiddo. She's not. My partner's not working full time either. But I just gave a tour of the code. Somebody else could add it. doing partial downloads when I check the board's library's versions. Oh yeah, just like downloading the header. It's pretty quick though, right? Like, I guess if it's unreliable, resuming is nice. Family first, 100%. Okay, let's, um, since Neradoc linked me to this, let's clone it. CircuitPython Web Packager. Uh, we'll leave that open. Git clone. Neurodoc. Python web packager, Python M. HTTP server. See, that wasn't so bad. I'm so lazy. It's 8,000. Ah, but I want to go to workflow HTML. Ooh. 
excited for me to have a long break. Yeah, I'm excited too. I'm excited to just, yeah, spend time with them. <laughs> it's always unreliable because the entire web duct taped together. Yeah, but like, it's pretty quick. And then most of the files are going to be delayed. Yeah, I like this warning. Um, ooh, how do I? Okay, there. this is the Odroid Go. Oh, look at those. Those are pretty. Library bundle. I want bitmap font. Boom. Install the dependencies. Status missing. Install. Yeah, my web skills are so basic. This is much nicer than everything I put together. It's going. I should have DevTools open. Heyo. Ooh, and it faded. A certain line number was 200 lines higher than the file I was looking at. Yeah. Expecting failure is no fun. Neat. Okay, so if I go back to file browser and I look in lib. Uh, is it loading? Oh, there we go. Somehow it kicked me out to the wrong directory. But we can see Adafruit bitmap font. Size zero because it's a folder. I don't know why it's doing that. Oh, look at this. The Python, the snake icons. Neat. And so if I look back at the USB version, remember this is actually serial, but I can do import OS, os.lister. We can see the stuff I uploaded. And then if we look at lib, oh, it's not, what? It's not in there. Oh, this I'm I'm on the wrong device. <laughs> yeah, because we uploaded it to this device that is on the Wi-Fi. So we uploaded it here. That's not even plugged in. I'm still getting used to that. <laughs> yeah. It's helpful to find people that are good at things that you're not good at. Andy's been really helpful with the CSS stuff. And I'm excited to see all this stuff from Neradoc too. What's this last tab? Installer. Auto install. Ah, this is what looks for code.py. But my code.py doesn't have any missing stuff. Because it's just a print. See, that's, the th that's where I kind of like... <laughs> Not super up to date. Um, let's see. What else is there? <laughs> Taking a nap. Any more questions? I could try to fix the one bug, but my brain's turning into mush. Oh, you know what I could show? How much? 
since deep dives tend to be all about have we synced with 119 yet we have not um we want to focus on CircuitPython 8 before we do 119 yeah neurodoc says that's that'll be CircuitPython 9 because we'll have to do a major version bump um I'll have to do a major version bump with that. Interesting, using a prompt for what device you're on. Um, let me unplug this. Yeah, the MPY. Okay, so I've been reinvigorated on the on the, the watch front. Um, Part of the reason is that there's the Bangle JS 2 in this shop, which is a, this is off, um, but it's a, it's a watch that has an NRF52840 in it. I want to add CircuitPython support for it, but I haven't gotten that far. I gotta get, uh, get some things figured out. But I, the display in there is like a, a transflective color display. And so I went on Amazon and I, I looked and looked and looked and figured out that there's also this watch, which is an Amazfit Bip S Lite um, that has a transflective display as well. And I was like, oh, like I just need to get this display so I can have it as a on a breakout board. And so I opened it. So this is the front of the watch that I got. Um, obviously it's off, <laughs> but it turns out the display is a different display. It says like, I'm not in product showcase mode. Um, it says like some name of display. It says giant plus. So it's like a different type of transflective display, which is kind of a bummer, but I was looking at the FCC stuff. And here's the here are the guts of that watch. Um, here and there's this like canister, and in the FCC they take the canister off, um, and it's a dialogue Bluetooth chip, which I had not worked with it before, um, and I so I looked it up, and it's a DA one four six nine. Um, dialogue chip. It's an M33 and it has 512k of RAM, which is quite a lot. It's more than the NRF52840. Um, and it's in these BIPS lights, according to the FCC. I, sh I haven't taken the shell off yet, but I want to. Um, and there's like test points on there that, like, one of those has to be SWD. Um, and so. It seems like it's definitely like CircuitPython capable. Um, so yeah, I went a little like, I'll just port CircuitPython to it. I haven't started it yet, um, but it's on my radar. I bought a couple more of them <laughs> so that I have ones that are uh, kind of not torn apart. Um, yeah, RE doesn't have any ARI. Um, and I also 
sorry for smacking my lips. DigiKey has DA14695. Um, they have a dev board for it, so I just it just got delivered. Um, this one here. And, oh, two other things that I looked up about this chip. This is my job, right? My job is to port CircuitPython to new chips, so it's good that it's still tempting. I, Lady Ada does not want me to do this. I know that. Um, are these dialog chips even on the radar of makers? I don't know. Um, does the watch have a heart rate monitor associated with it? I think it does. Um, if you look at the back, like there's definitely like a window for some sort of sensor. Um, so looking at that, I just got this dev board, um, which I could actually run and get. But um, yeah, I don't think they're on radar. But I did look. Nimble has support, which Nimble is the Bluetooth, the BLE stack that Espressif uses. Uh, which we're using on the ESP, which does have this problem that we don't have server support yet, which is unfortunate. Um, and DigiKey doesn't actually have the chips in stock as well. Um, <laughs> yeah, Keith, I actually got rid of my Wii Balance boards, or there's one there. Um, so yeah. Uh, I want to do the Bengal JS which is neat, but then I got distracted by these watches. You can buy them. They're Amazfit Bip S lights. They're 40 bucks a piece um, from them, and they're 50 bucks off Amazon. Um, <laughs> I was looking at a Garmin, so I was like, have I spent more money than just buying the Garmin? Um, but I'm like, this watch that I have now is a Garmin, and I really want to have custom, be able to customize like how it notifies me of different things. So that's kind of my motivation. And I can't sleep with my watch on because the heart rate sensor, like sometimes I sleep with my watch on my face and it wakes me up. So I like want to be able to like customize it all. Um, so yeah, I picked up one of these dev boards. I have lots of dev boards. Maybe I'll get to it. Um, did I finish my thought? I didn't finish my thought. Nimble has support for it already. And Tiny USB has support for it already. Um, so, yeah, that's that's a pretty good start. Like, if Tiny USB already has support for it, um, that's pretty neat. Um, yeah, Mark says almost every project I do, I realize it's cheaper to buy commercially. Oh yeah, and if you consider the time I spent on it, it's like certainly a time sink. Um. Yeah, Maddie T says the TTGO uh, T-Watch 2020 V3 um, is a good one, too. Yeah, I need to order one of those. Um, and not XOR gave those away for... I'm sure you know this. Um, TTWatch 2020 V3 is what they use in the and not XOR badge for this year. And MicroPython's running on it. And if you don't know this, I'm shocked. Um, and not XOR, MicroPython. Um, what is the, 
Maybe they don't have it here. I don't remember where I saw it. Um, it's like, it's like Brad Pitt. Bradpitt.com. What actor is it? They have some random site, which is where the manual is. Um, but yeah. Dylan says, if you get Circuit Python running on the watch, will you be able to do a write-up on it? Yeah, I'll... It'll be in the main line, and you'll be able to install it. Like, I'll, I'll do it. Do it properly. TTGO doesn't have the transflective displays, though, which I do like. Ooh, electrodermal activity, which is heart rate. Neat. Apple Watch. I used to have an Apple Watch. The thing that bothered me is that it's a poor watch. <laughs> like, I want a watch that's a watch first. And then, second, I want it to notify me when I get things on my phone. Which is why I like... Like, this one's pretty good because it's a... It's got... It's a Garmin that has, like, a watch face. And then if you tap it, like, there's a there's screens underneath the regular watch face. Um, which doesn't work that well. And you can't read the screen in the sun. Um, oh yeah, the pine time. I have that too. It's right here. <laughs> I'm on, this watch thing has been in the, in the works for a while. I'm just like circled back to it. Um, this one's a dev kit though. Um, and it's, yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm very much in the watch. Yeah, like I've got. A number of them on my desk. But the dialog has 512k RAM, which is pretty awesome. Um, and I don't think they're that expensive either. Like the chips aren't that. If you can manage to get them. So yeah, that might be my. I'm just gonna touch this. I'm just gonna go, do this for fun. But my my task in the last two weeks is really to get. Um, web workflow as far as I can and um, fix bugs, fix all the bugs. Like we have, um, actually, you know what I might have? It's some, yeah, I don't remember what it is. In my other browser. But if we look at issues and then milestones, 8.0. Like we have 52 open things. <laughs> um, so there are plenty of bugs for me to hunt in the next two weeks. I, I will try my darndest not to do the dialogue chip, even though I like starting with the tiny USB example is, is the place to go. Um, LTT re reviewed a pretty neat smartwatch not too long ago. Watch first, smart second looked like a watch too. Did it have the transflective display? Because my issue with this one is I can't see it in the sun. It's like some of the issues I have are like, it doesn't show the notification for very long. It doesn't show the text of the notification by default. Just like all, all why I was like I, I'm not gonna get the, another Garmin. Like there's the forerunners have the transflective displays, which are great, but um, if your software doesn't show your notification long enough, then that's not ideal. 
Um, hello, Randall. I don't think I said hi. Yeah, this is me just guest hosting. I'm not going to be doing this regularly for a bit more. Uh, but yeah, the BIPS light looks kind of neat. Um, and I know that Lady Ada has looked into sourcing some CircuitPython capable watches at some point too. So there's a chance in the future at some point we'll do a CircuitPython watch officially. Okay. Yeah, lots of bugs. Move support I should probably do before I leave. What do I have assigned to me? I'm like closing like five with this next PR. Like I fixed this one. Um, this one is will be fixed this one will be fixed so um Thani the Thani dev asked for a way to identify or correlate a serial port with a, a file system mount and I just added to boot out dot text the UUID or the unique ID of the device which you can get through the REPL as well so you'd be able to match them that match them up that way um, this occasional disconnects, I think, or just network quality, which kind of is unfortunate. Um, title bar include file name I want to do, and uh, title bar update after reset too. Oh yeah, I was actually gonna merge in this pull request if we can. Yeah, turn on title bar and enhance it. Can I merge it? Oh, it survived. Yes, I merged it. Okay, let's merge merge pull requests because you know I like to merge things right before I stop working right um, so let's see we had nine open oh if I refresh six open <laughs> yay um, I never wanted a smartwatch until now, but a CircuitPython smartwatch is pretty tempting. Yeah, the other thing that's cool about... Hey, Anthony. Um, the other thing I like the idea about CircuitPython watch is, um, like, we have BLE workflow now, so if it's BLE-only watch, we still have a way to modify it. And then also, if the T, like the TTGO is a ESP32, so, like, all the web workflow stuff we just saw um, would also apply um, for that, which would be really neat. Um, I do have like an open source watch. But this was like what? This one had this. It's an NRF, I think, from an open hardware summit or something. I think this actually runs CircuitPython as well. Neurodoc says, did I uh, mention TG watch? I didn't. I haven't mentioned TG Watch yet. Ooh. Open source, not dumb. Yeah, TG Techie did this, didn't, didn't they? Looks like BLE. I haven't. Thanks for the link. All right, any final questions? Hi, David. 
I don't know the next time I will stream, but if you want to connect up with me, the Discord's the way to do it. I'll be around the next two weeks. Um, and then I will try to be off Discord as well when I'm when I'm on leave. Um, yeah, I'll try to avoid work email as well. Uh, this has been uh, me guest hoping, hosting Deep Dive. Um, question for all. Very best instructions for experience C and C++ dev. Get up to build, be, speed building circuit Python. There is also, um, I don't, I think Dan linked you to this. Docs.circuitpython.org. There's some, it's a little dated now, but there is a project structure. This might be inherited. Oh no, this is updated. Project structure might be interesting. Um, and I'm also thinking of like this adding IO support to other things. So it talks about file layout of the repo, but the network stuff that you're going to want to do is, is not simple. Um, it's more like towards the socket pool, Wi-Fi radio stuff on ESP. Um, it's, yeah, adding network support is, is hard. And it's kind of like the first time that we've abstracted it away. Um, yeah, I think these are good reads still. All right. Let me switch cameras. Thank you, everybody, for hanging out. Uh, this has been Deep Dive with Scott. You can check me out on the Discord, um, adafru.it slash Discord. I'll be around there the next two weeks, and then I'll be gone for 12. Um, not gone as from here, but uh, I will be offline, trying to stay offline. Although I will, uh, yeah, talk, Rich is talking about systems level being your happy place. I have a couple projects in mind. If I do find a little time while I'm gone, I might uh, poke at some things. Either watches or FPGAs are kind of like top of my list. Um, so maybe when I'm back, we'll have some cool stuff. I think USB host is on the docket for when I'm back as well, depending on web, where web workflow is. Um, yeah, if you want to support me, uh, you can go to adafruit.com and purchase some hardware there. Um, Adafruit pays me to do these streams. They pay me to work on CircuitPython, and they are also paying me to take leave. Uh, not all of it, but most of it. Um, what else? Uh, that's adafruit.com. If you want to check out CircuitPython, you can do circuitpython.org. Uh, hit the downloads link, and you'll see all the different boards that are supported uh, for that as well. Um, and yeah, I, I should uh, pet the cats like I normally do, shouldn't I? Uh, it's been great uh, hanging out. I really appreciate you all. I'll see you on the discords. Um, have a good fall if I don't see you before I take leave. Uh, and please, if you find bugs or have suggestions, uh, CircuitPython issues are the way to go with that as well. Um, Maddie, FPGAs are higher on your list too. So the one that I'm really interested in, let me see if I can nerd snipe you a little bit, is this one. I think it's this one. It's the Zinc. So the Zinc is a Xilinx 7 series, but it's also got a hard Cortex-A, like quad Cortex-A in it, um, and hard USB IP, hard I2C and bus IO, or not bus IO, I2C and SPI. Um, so theoretically, we could get CircuitPython bare metal on the hard IP, 
and then do some cool hybrid FPGA stuff there too. Um, so that's why I'm interested in that. Um, okay. okay, time to switch cameras, pet some kitties, and get out of here. Uh, have a great weekend, everybody. I think it's pretty rare, actually, that uh, Vin is here still. I have a Quick Logic ES S3, and it doesn't have hard USB, which is disappointing for me. Um, I asked them about that. Like, you could put USB on the FPGA, but then you're basically filled up the FPGA. So we'll see. We're moving away from the strict USB dependence, so time will tell. All right. With that, I'll sign off and see you all in the future and on the discords. Uh, have a great time.